0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Generation Gap podcast from Radio Verulam. Uh, my name's Clive Glover and uh, today I'm with my uh, genzennial friend, Anna. <laughs> Hello, Anna.
1: Hi, Clive.
0: So, um, <laughs> right, so today we're going to talk about something which is uh, an area where I think there's probably quite a sort of generational divide, but I could be wrong. Um, and really it's about learning about your family history. Now, this is something which I think people get into when they're older generally um, and what they perhaps when they have their own children they want to start talking about their family and explaining things to them Um, but I think they're missing out and um, I I know this because uh, my sister who is a couple of years younger than me uh, when she was a teenager started getting interested in our family history and what she did was go and uh, write letters it was a few years ago write letters to um, our relatives, um, her grandparents, for example, various elderly aunts and great aunts we have, um, and asking them to write all about their childhood and everything they remember. And that became a sort of a base from which she could um, develop a family history knowledge. Mm. And over the years, she's kept doing it for a long time now. So we've got this quite extensive family history uh, of people going back for about seven or eight generations. And it's really quite interesting. Well, I think it's interesting anyway, but it's my family, so I would. So Anna, have you ever thought about um, this? And have you ever sort of considered perhaps tracking some of your family history?
1: Um So I've never really considered tracking my family history back like a long long way but it's funny that you mentioned about the letters because before sadly my granddad passed away my family and I were thinking it would be really lovely if he wrote like a letter about his life and his history and his family um and his experiences just so we had something that we could pass on to generations and we could learn about because maybe because I feel like sometimes you forget to ask these things when people are alive and then they pass away and you want to know more than you did maybe when they were alive you and um but I have had times when it basically in years it's quite random but in year six I did a project about we had to do a project um towards the end of year six on a decade and like we had a diff- different criteria that we had to meet and I did an extra section mine was on the 1940s and I interviewed both of my granddad's um which was so interesting and I had I really loved the experience because I was learning about their childhood and I was asking them things about like where did you live a lot of it was about the war so I was asking things like did you get bombed often um did like what jobs did your mother and father have like did you have a milkman um I'm just looking here what else I said I said did you have an air raid shelter in your garden like what did you do in your leisure time like all these different things just to get an idea of what their life was like on a day-to-day basis so I've been interested in that sense and I actually really found that an enjoyable experience and it was a really nice way to connect with them but I haven't ever gone on like an ancestry site or anything like that um but I but now I think about it I probably would be interested to do that because you just never know who you'd be related to if like there's a lot of surprises that could come your way.
0: Well, indeed. And I think one of the things that um, we found early on was, of course, that um, in pretty much any family, you will find there's the story about, oh, old auntie so-and-so, we don't talk about her
1: yeah yeah um
0: Definitely. And, and, this sort of thing, and of course, the first thing you want to do then is dig as fast as you can to find out why it is that they somebody's um you know not being talked about mm. um and obviously also the other thing you often find quite sadly is that there's various children who were born and only lived a short period, for example, because it was fairly common up till, I suppose, 100 years ago, obviously, um, a, lot of, a lot of children only lived to be a few years old, yeah. because there are a lot of childhood diseases, which we can deal with now, but we couldn't then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's always a black sheep person somewhere. Um, that's always interesting, you know, someone who has been so, done something terrible from their perspective and it's quite interesting to find out about those and i can tell you about my my family black sheep or at least one of them um because it was quite an interesting story i'll come back to that in a minute but have you 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 haven't found that there's perhaps you know suddenly they mention somebody you haven't heard of before and you ask and they say oh you know we'd lost track of them we don't know where they are or whatever
1: um There's no one that jumps to my mind in particular, but, um, on my mum's side, we, I remember actually once going round to my grandma's house in Southampton and us talking about her family. And there were a few people who we didn't have the best of things to say about them. (laughs) They have passed away now, but, um, yeah, they weren't, they didn't seem to be the most popular within the family. So that was quite interesting. Um but yeah there's not one particular person who's the black sheep really but i think it is true like there's always you definitely are more inquisitive and more interested when there are people who maybe are not mentioned or skimmed over because you think what have they done like what what's gone on there
0: well i mean obviously it's also about perhaps some ideas of um <clears throat> sorry morality and so on and in particular you'll find there's obviously some women who had children without being married for example and obviously that was um sociably very or socially uh, very suspect at the time. And so that would yeah. be hidden. Um and so those are the sort of things which obviously today we wouldn't really um have the same view about. At least I think most people wouldn't anyway. Um so let me tell me tell you about my black sheep. Um what happened was um my sister found out this sort of name of um, someone who was basically one of our uh, great-great uncles. I think it was great-great or great-great-great. I can never quite remember. You, you get lost when you go back so many generations. Yeah. Um, and he he lived in London and he basically was a merchant seaman, meaning he was a uh, basically someone who worked on ships which were going around the world, delivering cargoes backwards and forwards. And obviously, up to I suppose about 150 years ago, London was a huge port. And all the areas, if you walk along the Thames now, where there's all these new sort of developments, it was just ports and and loading bays and things for ships for miles and miles and miles. So lots of people worked there. And obviously they travelled a lot because um, he worked on ships which were basically going between England and Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So what it meant was that he was away a lot of the time. And basically he got married and within a few uh months of being married, and uh, his wife was then pregnant, Um, he basically sailed off and disappeared for months on end before he came back again. And then that basically reoccurred all the time. And she was left almost like a widow most of the time because uh, he was never there. And then one time he just didn't come back. And what um, she didn't know uh, was that he had met somebody else in Australia and actually got married to somebody in Australia because, of course, in those days, you can get away with that sort of thing because, obviously, the records weren't shared or anything like that. Um, And so my sister did lots of digging on the Australian records, which are actually all online, and found out lots of things about him. And he basically um, was, uh, was quite a sort of union type. And he led a, a strike of seamen in uh, Australia, which was quite famous and was on the sort of front page of lots of newspapers. So she found some of the newspaper stories from that period about him. And his name was in there quite frequently. He's been one of the sort of leaders of the rabble who struck against the, uh, the owners of all the ships and so on. Well, um,
1: that's fascinating. And
0: so you know, there's quite a big story about him. And then also when he retired, he set up a shop in um australia in sydney and in fact we found some uh, old trade directories which included listings of his shop um, and actually oddly i had been to australia a few years before um, my sister told me this story and i realized i'd walked along that street where his shop was
1: <laughs> oh my gosh that is an amazing story oh my gosh that just brings like the past to life kind of thing and well it's obviously
0: really- yeah, I mean the thing is that when you're doing this family tree, it's quite easy to get round to. Oh, that's so and so, and she was born on such and day. She got married to so and so, and then she died. And that's kind of all you know about them, really. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And you have to remember they were real people who lived a whole life, mm-hmm. and so drawing out these kind of stories like that makes it really quite interesting.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's so fascinating to. Dig. now this is really inspiring me because I'd never really thought about it before but there might be stories like that that i never even knew of and um it's yeah that's really cool to, and then you can actually kind of reconnect with those stories by like maybe going to visit Australia and that's really interesting that it was involved in the strikes and you never know obviously like someone has to be involved in these big like historical events so it could be one of your family members and you might just not know yet
0: well um I'll talk about this a bit later. But, I mean, another one was actually uh, my mother. And my mother told me lots of stories. She um, and my father, actually, because they were the same age, were both um, teenagers, I mean, your sort of age, when World War Two broke out. Mm. And they were in London. And, of course, they went through all the horrors of being in London, the, the Blitz and so on. Um, and it's quite unimaginable. I mean, you know, at your age, you'd have to go and obviously hunker down in your house or in the air raid shelter every night. uh as the bo- bombers came over and dropped bombs, and you, obviously it's completely random where they they drop them, you you never know whether you might be uh, still around tomorrow or not. And it's exactly, quite hard yeah. to imagine that sort of um, thing.
1: My um, yeah, I know definitely because when I was interviewing my granddad, my granddads even, um, my granddad on my dad's side, I asked him, "Did you have an air raid shelter in your garden?" He said, "This is a direct quote." He said, "We had an, we had an Anderson shelter. We slept in it every night in winter." Um once my paper and sh- once um on my paper round shrapnel bombs were falling around me when an American soldier asked me where the nearest shelter was, which is just so amazing. And then I said did I told I asked him, Did you get bombed often? He said, Not personally, but in winter in my street, which is called Nightingale Lane, there were a lot of destroyed houses. One day a doodle bug landed on the other side of the street to us and ten houses were destroyed. Isn't that just, oh, my God, it's just like kind of hard to even imagine that that existed and people live through the wars.
0: (laughs) It it is indeed. But one of the interesting things I found very recently, actually, was I watched the film His Finest Hour, which was about Churchill. Um, if If you've seen it, have you seen it?
1: I've seen a bit
0: of it. Well, basically, it's about the the, the period when Churchill was in the Admiralty in London, as he was the head of the Admiralty. Um, And obviously, it was sort of building up the the stories about him and how he he was so popular by people, and they thought he would Mm. save them in the war. Um, But part of it is about him being down in his sort of bunker, which is underneath Admiralty Arch in London. And my mother actually worked there. Um, and she yeah. told me the stories about how she was in the typing pool and basically used to have to type up all the messages and things um, to sometimes for Churchill. You know, she was in that group of women there. And the film actually yeah. centers on them. And They've they got a sort of fictional one who's um, Lily James plays the part. And so she's the sort of uh, one who gets called in to do the um, typing for him and all that sort yes, of thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, but it was actually a recreation of exactly the place where she worked. And I thought, oh, gosh um and i just sort of hadn't really sort of tumbled before she described the place to me obviously in general terms but i never really realized so there you go
1: yeah that's the thing like everyone i think everyone's obviously everyone's part of a history and you just you don't really know what they're part of unless you ask and um i think when you when i learn about history when i learned about history in primary school and then the secondary school you obviously focus on the big um names and the key figures who led a battle or led a strike, who founded this, founded that. But you don't, obviously there's all these ordinary people, but you, never, you don't know if they're actually one of your family members or not, which is so amazing to think that, and like, you just realise that the day, their way of life was so different to ours now i just think it's really interesting
0: actually what you can do these days of course is if you've got a a chart showing your relatives and when they were alive and where they lived you can obviously plot that against the sort of bigger picture stories of what was happening you realize oh my goodness these people were alive you know during the battle of waterloo or during this that and the other event Um, yes exactly uh, so you can sort of see what things affected them in the same way i mean obviously we've had newspapers for several hundred years now um and um so that you can sort of they knew what was going on through newspapers that was the big way of finding out things
1: yeah exactly and um i like even found out about um like I think when you interview people or you just have a little chat with them, you find they tend to always tell you these like special stories that they remember. And I asked my granddad, Dennis, um, is there anything else? When I was interviewing him, I said, is there anything else you can remember? He said, which I think is really interesting. So I'd like to share it. He said, once my father and I saw a Heinkel 3, which is a German bomber plane, come out of the low level dark clouds and fly straight across half a mile away from us. And then one, they, when they were viewing the plane, they could see all of the German crew, including the machine gunner who was firing. And they killed a man on the station chimney and two boys who were train spotting on the bridge. And my granddad and his dad witnessed all of that happen. And I just think it's really an amazing thing to be able to share those memories. Because if you don't share them, they don't, you don't keep them alive. And people obviously, the information isn't passed on. But now I'm, my granddad's told me that. And now I'm telling you that. And now someone's going to listen to that. I just think that I really like that process because I think it's really um, a good thing to share what's, what's been happening in
0: the past yeah okay so let's just look at what you actually do if you've decided you want to sort of check your family history as i said that it's a good way to start is what you did as well because of this and, and like my sister did to talk to people when, when you're quite young because they're still around and you can ask them the questions <laughs> um, and, mm. and obviously you can take down all the details of where they live the exact house address you can probably go and see if it's still there in most cases it won't be particularly if it was in London because so much of London was bombed um, and, yeah. uh, and so on um, but then you can also, if you get really into it, you can start going around to find out um, details from church records, particularly. Um, every church, well, Church of England type churches, and I think the Catholic ones, keep records, obviously, of births, marriages and deaths, basically. And so you can find out where um, people were married and and so on. And also you can probably find their graves in in the graveyard if you you want to. Um, There's a new project I just read about the other day, which is actually mapping every single gravestone in every single church in the country. um, So that you'll be able to, if you know your relatives were buried in a particular place, you can go and look it up online and and see exactly, you know, it's row 723 across or whatever is the place to look. Um,
1: I think that's a really good idea because... When you go to a graveyard, it's kind of luck of the draw as to who you, which graves you read, because obviously there's so many and you don't exactly know what you're looking out for because they're all placed randomly. But if there was a map, then it would be much easier to find the graves that you want to read.
0: Yeah. Well, obviously in the past, you had to really go and visit them all. Um, and um, in in my case, or my sister's case, it was quite easy to start with because there's a village in Essex, North Essex, where pretty much everybody in the village was related to us um so you know there's a graveyard which has got dozens and dozens of people who are relatives um Mm. so which is again a thing about people not traveling so much in those days i mean some people did travel a lot obviously like my uncle who went off to australia um but others didn't Um, that's
1: a hard thing though isn't it knowing where to bury somebody it's a bit of a different topic but it's difficult to know where to bury them
0: yeah well i say i mean obviously when, when they basically been born and grown up and largely lived within the same area, then obviously they they go, they end up in the same place again as well. Anyway, that's one way of tracing them. And that's been, that's the way my sister did it for, for many years. And she spent quite a lot of time and sort of holidays, just going around traveling to places in this country to look at the um, gravestones, which may seem a slightly odd way of spending a holiday, but (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Um,
1: I think that's amazing though. I'm, I was literally just thinking to myself, I You could do a really big project on this. You could do a massive project of interviewing all your family members and from that information trying to find out places where they once were or where they were buried or where they lived, going to visit those places, writing your experience. Like, you could make this into a whole project, which I think would be a really interesting thing to do. And
0: it can take over your whole life, obviously.
1: (laughs) It can, yeah. Maybe next summer I'll have to do something like this. Well, I I think
0: it's something that you can probably keep coming back to at different times and so on. So, Oh, you know, I'm in so-and-so place now. Oh, I remember. That's where so-and-so lived and I can go and look around there. Yeah, that's it. But the the big change has been in, in the last few years, I suppose it's the last 10 years, effectively, which is obviously about DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, you can now um, get your own dna um, mapped very easily Um, there's a number of companies they're all american actually i think but you can basically send off a a dna sample and they'll put it online uh, for you obviously it's a secure system Um, and you can find out all sorts of stuff which obviously is your ancestry in terms of ethnicity and so on which is quite often a bit surprising Um, and um obviously you can also check with relatives I I did this a few years ago my one of my cousins um, is a doctor and she actually worked on the human genome project in America um, so she's really wow. she knows everything about DNA stuff and she said why don't we all do it and so I my sister and a couple of cousins all basically sent off samples and it was a bit of a relief, I suppose, when it came back. Obviously, I am related to my sister. <laughs> um, yeah. And,
1: I know. You don't want there to be any curveballs when you send those things off.
0: Well, obviously, it's one thing. They actually do warn you when you when you send it off. It's in this sort of long list of terms and conditions. It says that, obviously, they can't take responsibility if you find out something that's um, a bit upsetting. And of- mm. often, I mean, people do find out, for example, that they're not related to their parents or one of their parents and often that's because they've been adopted um sometimes sometimes it's for other reasons um so without going into detail yeah (laughs) anyway um so this is quite interesting so what you get from these things and um, i i should say that they're obviously not guaranteeing they're absolutely accurate in these things but they give you a percentage of whether you are um you know British, for example, which you'd expect to be, perhaps. Um, But you have other relatives from Ireland, from France, Germany, whatever. And it's fairly typical that nearly everyone in this country has uh, relatives who basically come from all over the place, including, obviously, the um, Commonwealth countries. So you might have an Australian relative or whatever. Um, But it's quite interesting to track back. And obviously, what we were able to do is take the the chart we've got about um, family, which we know of, from all the research my sister's done over the years and compare yeah. it with the DNA one and then obviously map it out and say well obviously we've got this chunk of French because we've got this French relative and this sort of thing um,
1: yeah yeah uh, that makes sense and it, it, that's I think a good way to do it because then you can link everything up
0: it sort of works but the other the other side of these DNA test things is that you're, you're basically putting your information into a massive database um, as I say it's it's not personalized on that database but they put it all in there and say that people who you know for example are living in st albans have certain characteristics if, if you're born there there's various characteristics which um, are sort of typical of people who live there and they map, map you against that and then also um they, they start comparing your dna with other people's and they spot obviously as I say my cousins and so on obviously we're related and I wasn't surprised um but there's other people suddenly come out of the woodwork and they say oh we found a new relative and you say "Ooh." now
1: imagine if you found a new relative who was living really close to you and you just never realized
0: well um it does happen and it has happened in my family actually because I, I I actually connected them together recently um but I'll, I'll tell you about that the the um the main thing is that you get hundreds and hundreds of these relatives, so-called. And obviously, the, the relationship with them is actually quite distant because the percentages of DNA, which are the same, are quite small. Yes, um, and yeah. so you have to sort of draw a bit of a line. When I get something that says, you know, someone may be my fifth or sixth cousin. Um, that's really quite a long way away from me, and it's not somebody who I'd know. But what I have what I've got is quite a lot of third and fourth cousins who I'm now able to sort of map together because they know they're related to other people. Chunks of my family, who I now know there's a whole load of people living in Kent I'm related to, which I didn't know. Well, I can tell you a story. I mean, my... Um, Uh, One of my relatives who's popped up and I've actually had an email correspondence with, and we established exactly what relationship we have, which is not particularly close. It is a fourth cousin, uh, which means Mm -hmm. that we basically share a great, great, great grandmother, I think it is. Um, But that was interesting by itself because this this woman was very clearly... um, Important in the sense she had quite a few children, so there's quite a few sort of descendants all over the place, and I keep finding some of them. Um, and she's actually in in, uh, Canada, in Vancouver. And um, oh wow, one of my actual first cousins, who I've known forever obviously, um, lives in Vancouver as well. And they actually only live each, they're not quite next door to each other, but they're only a few miles apart.
1: i think it's exciting when you find somebody who lives in a different country because it can kind of give you an excuse to travel over there like i have a lot of family in canada and it's so lovely because it means i can go and visit them and be in a completely different environment and country and culture and it's it's really interesting and also they live in they live such a different way of life to us or not really a different way of life but they obviously have different experiences and it's different to them living in the uk so it's quite interesting to speak to them because we're, we both have different experiences to bring to the table.
0: Well, yes, I mean, that that is a point. I mean, I've also apparently got lots of relatives uh, across the continent. Now, I knew I've got sort of German relatives because my great-great-grandmother was actually German. I know that, um, and that's quite clear. Um, but um, there's also others. I keep getting people now from Sweden and uh, Norway and, and Denmark particularly. So I don't, I've got a Scandinavian chunk of DNA, but I don't know where it came from. <laughs> so
1: yeah i think i think though when you find it's interesting because you can find out all this information but you could just sit on it and not do anything about it or act on it but if you actually try and reach out to those people i think that's when like the magic happens i think that can be really cool
0: well i found um a fairly distant relative who in fact is tracing his own family history and he found me and i found him <laughs> so
1: Really, yeah. so kind of met
0: in the middle. That's right, and then so we shared what we got, and obviously that was, that doubled what I got to a large extent because he got a load more information than I had, but then I had some things yeah. he didn't. So obviously that's that been fair swap. Um, one of the other things that I found, I mean, I suppose there's a little um, ambition for most people. You'd like to find out that you were related to somebody really well known and important.
1: Yes, I know. That's what I'd be most interested in. I'd be like, oh, my God, imagine if I was related to someone in the royal family or someone famous. Well, uh, and that would be amazing.
0: It's funny you mentioned the royal family because that's exactly what I found out. Um, but it wasn't really? for me. It was actually one of my uncles who was not related to me. He married my my um, mother's sister, so he's not direct family descendant. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was several years after he died, but we found out that he's related directly to Richard III, Really, because um, I was doing a check on one of these websites, and it kept coming up with these Plantagenet family. I thought, "Huh, that's a bit odd." And I checked it, and basically, yes, he's a direct descendant. So I told his daughters, my cousins, yeah. and they were impressed.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, I would be as well. Do you have to pay for these websites, or
0: can- there's um, well, it's one of these they're typical sort of website things where there's a free um, version which he's obviously got some information, but as soon as you want to get something detailed, you click on it it says, oh, join now, so much per month and whatever. Yes. Uh, I have read some stories about some of them where it's quite hard to um, get out of the contract you've signed. You know, you sort of a bit mm. of enthusiasm. Yeah, I'll pay that £9 a month or whatever. That's fine. Then after a while you think, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And you, and They don't have a way of actually cancelling it.
1: Yeah, so I, I was just wondering. <laughs> I'm just wondering because, um, obviously it would be great to find out, but I just wanted to know the logistical side of things.
0: Well, there's lots of free things you can do. Um, obviously you can trape round for each churchyard if you want to. Um, there's lots of things online. The the um census. You know, we we did a census this year, of course, 2021. Oh yeah, and of the course. the previously, I've forgotten how far it goes back, but it goes back to about 18 something. And you can find the really oldest ones now, and of course, what that means is you you can you know one of your relatives, and you know roughly where they lived. You can look it up and find out the exact address they were in on that particular day.
1: Can you look up the census? Then is that open to everybody? Well,
0: again, some of it is and some of it isn't, but the they they, mm-hmm. they, they keep it um, secret for a hundred years, basically, to so avoid. Um, obviously, you, you're tracking people who are still alive, basically. That's the idea anyway.
1: Yeah, um, yeah But yeah, you yeah. can go,
0: go back and get it. And you can find lots of stuff from that. Um, yes, it's quite interesting.
1: I think what's interesting is as well, that like you can learn a lot about people through their possessions. So I'm just thinking about my granddaddy passed away. He was really into um, old cars. So he had like a Ford, I think it's a Ford Anglia, and uh, like a Jeep-style car and a few other ones. And um, you would... Those have been those have actually been passed on to some of his friends and some that they've some they've kept. I think they've kept some. I can't actually quite remember. But um, that's really interesting because you learn a lot about them through their possessions and how that's what their interests were and things they collected. Kind of tell a lot about them. Like when my grandma passed away, my um, grandma showed us this medal that he got from winning a recycle race on the Isle of Wight, which is where he grew up. So that's like a little insight into something that he achieved, which I think. Is quite interesting, interesting as well.
0: Yeah, because um, I've got a, a clock. It's called a grandmother clock, I think it's called, which is basically a hang-on-the-wall clock, which I have to wind up every morning. Um, really? But basically, um, I found it in my father's garage or shed many, many years ago. Mm. And I said to him, what's that? And he said, oh, it's a clock he'd got from his, uh, his uncle or something. And I said, well, does it work? Well, no, it doesn't. So I said, well, can I have it? And he said, okay. So I took it away and I had a look at it. It's quite a simple mechanism, but I still didn't think I could make it work. And at the time, there was actually an old, old clockmaker um, in St Albans uh, on a shopper right at the top of the bridge over the railway station, actually. Um, and I yeah. took it along to him and he said, oh, oh, you've got one of those. That's really fascinating. And he gave me a quick spiel about this, how, how significant this clock was.
1: Oh, and then really? he basically
0: I left it with him for a few weeks, and he took it apart completely and and rebuilt it and obviously so it's a working clock and I've had it for about thirty years now, um hanging on the wall in my house and working and working every time um but
1: that's amazing. It's like um Antiques Roadshow. When you watch that, these people find these possessions. They have no idea where they're from, what they're about, what they mean, who who owned them. And then the person who's a professional and the um like master in their field tells them all this information, and they're like blown away because they just have no had no idea. It's like also the repair shop. I don't know if you've ever I seen have, it. I have, yes. Yeah. So they people bring in items and they want them restored. It's like a way of them connecting to their relatives or family members or friends.
0: Well, the thing was only, I think last year, actually, when I had a lot of time, as everybody did, because we're all at home, um, I, I thought, yes, yeah. I look at this clock. And I found in the back of it, it's got um, a, a receipt for it being repaired in about 1917, I think it was. Oh, and wow. so I, fa- I found this and I looked it up. And um, because I, I wasn't entirely sure who it actually belonged to, I, I sort of vaguely remembered it was obviously somebody, my father's uncle or something, um, and so I, I worked mm. that out, and then I started looking up um, the details and comparing the the times with um, the the receipt I had, so I knew who it was who actually took it in to be repaired, and I found out he he'd obviously taken it in to be repaired just about two years I think before he died. Um, and so I looked up a few things about this and I, I looked up the, um, it was actually an American clock. It was made in a factory in, uh, I think it was Pennsylvania. And I looked up the company yeah. there and uh, Wikipedia has got a whole article about this company making these clocks and sort of so on. And, so on. And, so, and, um, this clock was made and then the factory burnt down and so that's why they, they didn't restore it afterwards and this sort of thing um i found a whole fascinating story so i ended up writing a whole sort of little article about this <laughs> right. um and it's just did you
1: post it anywhere
0: uh, yeah it's on a, I've, got, I've got a private website i share with my sister um of um our family history which we put it all on there um and
1: Oh, amazing! That's awesome. But
0: it's not a public one, obviously, um, but I mean, uh,
1: yeah. it's very personal.
0: Yeah, yeah, but guys. that's that's and uh, it's that sort of thing. So again, it was just as you say, the sort of personal item, and you look at it and it tells your whole story.
1: Yeah, it really does. It's like when somebody passes away, when you go through all of their belongings, you sometimes can find out things that you never knew about them, and it's like really opens your eyes up.
0: And, as you said, I think earlier that it's it's tricky because if you don't talk about these things to people then you you find out later it's really quite of a bit embarrassing. oh, I never knew that about my uncle that he'd won the marathon or
1: <laughs> I know that's why I might talk to my grandma and maybe interview her again 'cause i I thought it was a really like I really enjoyed the process of doing that when I was in year six, like it was so lovely to connect with them, and I think my grandma my my grand my two sorry my two granddads really enjoyed telling me about it because probably they hadn't had a lot of people ask them about their childhood
0: well no, and also a lot of people of that age also are very reluctant to talk about things because um they recognise how much things have changed now and so on, and they, they're sort of embarrassed about how they lived and that sort of thing. The, um, mm-hmm. the, the museum in St Albans did a, did a thing once where they got some quite young children, I think seven, eight-year-olds, to go and interview some older people who'd lived in St Albans all their life. And there's one tape I listened to, and it was a tape, it was a cassette tape, when <laughs> they did it. Um, oh, wow. And uh, this little girl was so fascinated by the idea that there was a toilet at the end of the garden and that they had to get up in the yeah. middle of the night and go outside and this sort of thing, and and so she kept, kept asking imagine... and asking more and more questions about it. She just couldn't get her head around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that like young children are probably have really funny reactions. Actually, <laughs> I can really imagine that.
0: Well, they're not afraid to ask questions, which you you would you know be perhaps a bit embarrassed to ask. And
1: exactly, yeah, they don't really have a filter. Yeah, exactly.
0: So um, that's how it goes. And anyway, we look. Anna, we've run out of time again. So it happens so quickly.
1: It always happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much for that. I think it's been interesting. And I, I suppose I came into this on the basis that young people like you probably wouldn't be so interested in this until maybe later when you're older. But obviously, you've proved me wrong again because you're obviously quite fascinated by I it have. as well. Yeah.
1: Well. I only, the only really thing I've done is that project in year six. So that was quite a few years ago now. So I think maybe I'm going to try and maybe interview my grandma or somebody. Yeah, my granny maybe. Maybe just meet. It would be a nice thing to do, like meet up with them, have a little coffee or something, you know, have a bit of a social with them.
0: Well, yeah. And you can even record it if they don't mind as well. That's actually quite interesting as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I'll let you know I'll keep you updated about what I
0: do. And actually I was going to say I mean your your surname is probably relatively unusual if you do searches um, you can probably find quite a lot of stuff. Um, if you know if you if you're smith that's or that's jones it. it's more difficult to um, track down relatives.
1: Yeah, yeah 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 that's very true Very, they're very common names yeah
0: exactly <laughs> right okay well thanks very much and thank you for listening this has been the generation gap show from radio verulam um, the podcast of that and um, you can find other podcasts of the generation gap show on um, radio Verum's website which is www.radioverulum.com and apart from our wonderful um, podcast there's actually thousands now of other podcasts from all sorts of interesting programs so you can just dive in and um, listen to as many as you like and you can find them on our website as i said and also on apple and google and everywhere else including spotify and all sorts of places i never heard of probably um so thank you for listening and uh, do listen for us again